Welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast with John and Chris, where it's unapologetically just about the sports. We're glad you joined us. Let's jump right in. It is the May 6th episode of the Um Yeah Sports Podcast. It's your Friday edition. Fridays are awesome. Weekend's on the way. We are working our way through the conference semifinals of the NBA playoffs. That is round two, and we are, I think, in the middle of it here. I'm Chris, and with me, as always, is John. Hey, listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you haven't done so already, you can help us out by subscribing and sharing the show with your sports-loving friends and family. Also, if you're sick of supporting ESPN and other big corporate sports sites, we offer umyasports.com to you as a place for, uh, for you to head on down each day, check out the latest sports news and information. We curate that from around the web, local sites, national sites. We bring it all together for you free of charge and free from ads, updated all throughout the day, except for Sundays. Take Sundays off. All right, and with that out of the way, let's jump into today's episode, shall we? John, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I am excellent. Joel Embiid is supposed to be playing tonight. Is that going to happen? I mean, we got an orbital fracture. We got a concussion. Is he going to be ready to go? He can't even see his phone. He said, from what I heard, he's trending towards playing. Okay. Uh, he cleared concussion protocol, so that's out of the way. And I think it's just mostly about the orbital fracture, if he can play if he can handle the bright lights and all that stuff obviously he'll be wearing a face guard if he yep. does play so he doesn't want a similar thing to happen to him yep um but from what i hear it's he got upgraded from out to possible to doubtful somewhere in there so it's it's a possibility that he plays more than likely he'll come back for at least a game in this series uh this game would be huge if he comes back he could turn the tides of a very lopsided uh, series so far where the Heat have taken the last two games that they have played. Uh, and the if they don't have Joel Embiid, they have nothing. They have nothing to be able to stop this Heat's team and get to a roll. Joel Embiid is that player that if you watch the film, you realize the missing piece is a guy like Joel Embiid that can clog the paint, get the rebound, and score. Because only right now, only three players are doing any sort of work uh, scoring. That's Maxi. That's uh, Harrison, then that's James Harden, who's doing a decent job with assists, and then there's nothing else, and that's why they're falling behind over and over again. So if there's any game where they must win uh, and they need Joel Embiid back, this is the game to do that because I feel like if they lose this game and they go down, uh, I feel like they could just end up being swept. So it's going to be kind of make it or break it right now. He really wants to play. The report is that he's dying to play, so he, uh, he, he wants to get back on the court. He wants to... Uh, you know, play with his teammates. He wants to help him win. Uh, championship hopes are kind of relying on what if he's able to play in this game or maybe even next game. That's going to really decide things majorly. So there's a lot riding on if he's able to play or not. Uh, obviously, we won't get a full kind of understanding of if he's actually able to play or not until you know right up into the ball, uh, to the actual ball game. So, but it is a hopeful thing for 76ers fans that he is uh, and has cleared concussion protocols and has a possibility to play. All right. You asked me an interesting question. Um, sticking with the NBA here for a few more minutes. Should the Pelicans have drafted John ja Morant instead of Zion Williamson? Yeah. That's the number one, number two pick of that particular year's yes, draft. draft. I think that was like 19. Uh, yeah, that was, that was an interesting one because 
when that draft rolled around, all you heard about was Zion Williamson and how yep. he was the guy, and that's the guy they should go with, and that's where the Pelicans went with him. And now you look up, and all of a sudden, John Moran is you know beating the Warriors single handedly, getting all these points, really, you know, getting people to come watch the game, tune into the NBA playoffs. There's like a there's like a stat that came out that he's gotten like 140 million people to come watch the NBA playoffs or little clips of the NBA playoffs more than any other player. So he's just kind of he's making the playoffs popular. He's putting it on the map a little bit here, especially in this series. So the question has been, and I've heard talk about on uh, on Talk Radio quite a bit uh, of this of this question of who should have been drafted first and did the Pelicans make a mistake? And honestly, if you look at it, I think this. This question is looked at biasedly based off the fact that Zion has not played and is injured, and we haven't really been able to see a whole lot about him, and his team got eliminated in the first round. He wasn't even able to play in the playoffs. So I think right now we're just kind of caught in the buzz that John Moran is building and that he's kind of made for himself. So now we're wondering, did the Pelicans make a mistake? And the more I thought about this question, the more I realized the fact of the matter is when you're drafting a player, you're looking for his skill sets to match what your team is doing and where you your t- where you want your team to go. And if you look at this pickup of Zion Williamson for the Pelicans, it checks just as, just as many boxes as the Grizzlies checked with John Morant. You get a guy that fits the offense that you're trying to run, which is bigger and taller guys, guys that can clog the paint, guys that can get blocks, guys that can uh, do it on both ends of the floor. You got Jackson Hayes and you got uh, Valandrius that can do that. And when he comes in, there's a third guy in there. And then you have a second group of guys, which are the McCollum-led group, which are uh, not quite as tall guys, but can definitely hit the three and definitely make plays for you. And they're really scrappy players. So that's kind of, he fits that bill perfectly. Um, And he can also get inside and get in the pain score. However, if you put John Moran in that situation, you put him in this Pelicans team, I don't think, like, obviously they would want to use him just because of his skill sets, but does he fit this type of team that the Pelicans are building as well as Zion fits? No. I think John Moran fits the the bill of the Memphis Grizzlies way better than he would fit the Pelicans because the Pelicans already have the pieces that they need. They already have everything put together. And then you plugged Zion into that when he comes back next season and you say to yourself, this team is in perfect position. Then you look at the Grizzlies who got him at number two and you say to yourself they did a great job as well because then they're able to let go of Alan Judas and give him to the Pelicans and they're able to plug him in and he can clearly play with this team that's much more uh, I guess diverse as far as the, like the height and the like because they've got Jackson and then they've got Dylan Brooks and then they got him so it's just across the board really different uh, as far as size and uh, height and all that stuff and then if you look at the Pelicans they have cut and dry of what they really want and so if you look at it I don't think the question of is did they make a mistake just because Zion hasn't been giving the flashy numbers or he hasn't remained as healthy or any of that stuff or are we going to look up and say one day Zion didn't do quite as well as uh, Morant did but and maybe at the end of the day that might be what happens but ultimately when you look at it the way it is right now the Pelicans made the correct choice and if I, if you look at, I don't know if he would have been able to do as well in this system because of based off how they were doing. And they obviously saw this vision in their head when they picked him up in 2019. And we know what he's able to do when he's on the court and what he's able to do if he's not injured. So, and if he wasn't injured during that Sun series, maybe they would have been able to win that series as well. So, there's a lot of things that we that remain to be seen. And so, to kind of just blindly say that they would have been better if they just drafted John Morant, but it's a little bit. You know, confusing to me. I think the Pelicans made the right choice, and I think we're going to see that when he's able to come back. All right, let's uh, let's get in the uh, the old airplane here and leave the NBA and head to the NFL. I, it's all the same place. Yeah, well, kind of a stupid 
analogy there, but let's do it anyway. Let's hit the NFL. So I'm um, actually going to focus a little bit on uh, on quarterbacks. Uh, so Tannehill came out and said, like, hey, I'm glad if uh, Malik Willis sits behind me and he learns a thing or two just by watching my example, but uh, I don't think it's my job to mentor him. And then uh, our boy uh, Kurt <laughs> says, uh, hey, I'll mentor you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, that's just like the thing, like ever since Brett Favre didn't mentor Aaron Rodgers when he came in, this, yeah. this trend has started of, oh, I don't need a mentor. It's all good. He'll figure it out for well, himself. Well, they figure it's competitive. It, if I mentor this guy too much, he's going to he's gonna take my job and steal right, my lunch. but like when you draft a rookie guy in the first round, you automatically know this team is moving on from you in the next couple of years, right? That's just a given. So if you already know that's what's going to happen and you know that's their intention, even if they didn't alert you ahead of time or not, any of, especially if they don't alert you ahead of time, they're moving on from you in the near future, and that's just the way it's going to be. You're not really going to be able to do anything about it. So if you know that to be a fact, I don't get the point of not mentoring because football is one of these sports, and actually all sports are, but especially in the NFL, it's a live-and-learn experience where you're going to have to get out there and play, and you're going to learn a certain amount from that. But you're also going to learn a huge amount from being able to learn from someone that's already played and had success in the league. So if you're just going to, like, get the next guy, come in, have him kind of sit behind you, maybe learn a thing or two. They're not going to progress uh, as a player, um, but you can also mention them not just as a player, but as a hu- person and try to help them become you know, better as that sure. person as well. So you can yep. give them a lot of life experiences and just to blindly say, no, that's not my responsibility. Yes, I guess it's not your responsibility. It's not a quarterback's job to mentor. That's not written, but it's more of an unwritten thing that you're supposed to do if you really want to help your team grow because that's the leadership as a, as a player. And if you're the quarterback, you're the head leader, you got to be willing to talk to everyone, help everyone grow and learn. And we've seen it throughout the league that there's certain players that take other players under their wing and help them and move on to the next thing. But I feel like quarterbacks especially just are so worried about their job and finding the next piece of work for them that they just kind of let these other kids or these next generation of guys they just kind of let them sit behind him and not really learn anything. And I think the players that truly do help are the ones that are, are the best. So if you really cared about the Tennessee Titans, if you're on Tannehill, I think mentoring this kid is going to be extremely helpful uh, because this guy, in my opinion, is going to take the, the starting job in the next couple of years, maybe even in a year, because he just had success and they want to move on to the next kind of chapter. And that's why you draft another quarterback, because you know your time is short. So if you are if you already know all that stuff, and that's just you, you've been through enough NFL experience, which Channel House has, to say that you're just not going to mentor him and to go out of your way to say that, I don't I don't think, I didn't really watch much of it, but I don't think it was one of those things where the guy actually asked him if that, it just just kind of came on and said, I'm not going to mentor him. Just a little surprising. But I did like Kurt Warner's comment about just like DM me. I'll help you out as much as I can. And I feel like that's kind of the difference. And we'll talk about this in a minute because I think there's another way that this extrapolates to what the NBA is like right now. But And actually just sports in general. But this, this non-desire to help the next generation of players is kind of a new thing relatively. I mean, not too long ago, players were all kind of helping each other out, kind of helping, mentoring, everything like that. Now it's kind of switched. So... Ultimately, I think it's going to be a detriment if it doesn't. If players, especially the quarterback position, doesn't help out, uh, I think that probably why quarterbacks take so long to develop and get to the next level because there's no one in front of them willing 
uh, willing to help them understand the scheme, the fit, how this t- coaching staff works. I mean, it, just by a simple conversation of maybe like 30 minutes, you could learn the scheme. You could learn the players, their tendencies, their route combinations, how to throw the football, where to throw the football, the defensive players, how do you, like all the stuff that you didn't learn in college because of the teams that you didn't play are not going to be NFL teams. You could learn in just a couple conversations. So to say you're not going to mentor, I feel like it's just kind of one of those things where you're just like, uh, basically, and I think if I was like a coach or someone like that, I would think that usually means like kind of like they're checking out a little bit. I, I mean, if you're like saying I won't kind of help this next guy, that it kind of means you're not willing to help the team and what what the next future looks like. So I felt like the comment was a little bit, I mean, I just don't think that's the way this NFL should be going. I think the NFL should be going to the point where everyone's willing to help anyone. That's just good um, being a good person. I, yeah, and also, I just think it's just it's going to help the team in the long run. And if you're there and you're you're assigned by a certain team, you should be willing to help as much as you can. Yeah, and if you're doing way. if you're doing your job and you're doing the best that you can do, you're going to perform the best that you can. Right, and, and you should have enough confidence in your ability to do that that you uh, that you're willing to give back and do things for others. So, all right, well, hopefully Ryan comes around between now and. And next season, we'll see. So it looks like the Seahawks, uh, they are uh, currently looking for their next franchise quarterback with Russell Wilson moving on to the Denver Broncos. Looks like they're not going to be trading for a veteran QB. They've come out and said that. That's up there on umyasports.com. Also, the Seahawks, Seahawks, Seahawks. maybe they are the Seahawks now. Uh, The Seahawks have signed 14 undrafted free agents, four of nine draft picks. So uh, so they are sifting through folks out there to try to see what is available. I know I think they, they were pretty excited about some undrafted quarterback. I don't even know who it was. but um, It was Levi Jones from okay. Louisiana. Okay. Uh, which I you're going to wait till after the draft to draft a quarterback? I mean, like, you could have drafted, like, Malik Willis to come in and help you out or, or uh, Desmond Ritter or any of these guys. You had an opportunity to, you know, pick them off or Sam Howell, and you had an opportunity, and then you wait till after the draft is over, and then you sign him. Plus, you sign, like, I mean, most of these guys are defense. You got a free safety, safety, uh, defensive tackle, linebacker, safety again, linebacker, I mean, cornerback, and then another safety. You sign three safeties after the fact. I mean, and you signed one quarterback, which is the one position you desperately need help. I don't... What are they doing? They're just flooding every position other than quarterback with players. If you remember, though, if you remember, to battle out, I guess you may not remember because you were uh, you were a young guy back then. But when when Pete first came to town and he and John were uh, were like you know building the like kind of rebuilding the team. I mean, it was just crazy the number of free agents undrafted yeah, i remember that they were just rolling people through and they were just you know cycling and yeah. so so it's clear that they're in sort of that they think that they're in that rebuilding phase where they just need to recycle they need to cycle through people figure out you know kind of who's out there and who can help them and who can they it's plug the strategy in. of that p carroll's always had of get a bunch of guys in there and then just battle compete, whoever does compete, the best compete gets the job. It yep. doesn't matter if you're a veteran or you're yep. a rookie. It just yep. whoever does the best. But th- I also read a report that KJ Wright wants to come back to Seattle and play for him, but they're not going to sign him because they already s- invested so much into these free agents and stuff, and they know who KJ Wright is. And I, I, they're just moving on from all the veteran guys, yeah. and then they're signing a bunch of rookie guys, and they're hoping that's going to succeed. But I don't know if Pete Carroll stays around enough to see that to fruition. And they're going to be spending a lot of seasons and a lot of money to try to pl- uh, place a team where we get back to the Legion of Boom era where you have all those great guys. You're not going to get 
quite to that point and you lost like all those guys are now officially gone at this point and so now you're just trying to get back to that point and i think Pete Carroll is just trying to get there and get there as much as fast as, as hard as you can the problem with that is it's really hard to repeat something that great so trying to just sign as many guys as you possibly can and then spit them out as you're going it's it's going to be a painful and long process for any Seattle fans uh that that are admitting to be Seattle fans at this point i mean the NFC is has lost a little steam with all the players that have left, but you're not going to get ahead by the way that they're the way that they're going. Uh, there's so many teams that can crush you so easily, especially as you're so like inconsistent, so young. I mean, even last season when they had some veteran guys still on the roster, they were struggling with winning football games. That's not going to improve. That's going to deprove. That's going to get worse because you're just you took all the pieces that were the stability of your of your house of your structure and you ripped them out. And you yeah. said, all right, we're not going to play a, guy, a bunch of guys that have never played the NFL and hope to build the same structure that we had. And that's going to not – I mean, <laughs> if the NFL still works the way it has been in the years past, that's not going to work out very well for you in the near future. And the Super Bowl title and even playoff contention is going to be a hard, brutal process to get there. And I'm just curious to see what type of team that they field. Are we going to get to the point where we're just watching a Seattle Seahawks game? We're like, who is half these guys? I, I've never even heard of half these guys, and that's how they think they're going to win. So it's going to be interesting to, when the schedule officially comes out to see who they're playing and to give you my predictions on who if they're going to win any of those games. Because as of right now, I have zero trust that Seattle is going to win or even have a winning record this season, next season, or maybe yeah. even the year after that. Yep, I think you might be right. I don't think it's going to be a good time to be a Seahawks fan for a little bit. Sorry, Seahawks fans. Um, okay, the Eagles are giving Jalen one more shot. True? Yeah, they said that this is kind of like, I gave you all the pieces that are necessary. Now go out there and execute and start winning football games. And honestly, I think Jalen Hurts is the right guy for this squad. I think he's a, a good quarterback. They can definitely lead him to some playoff games. And I mean, he already led him to be, uh, play the Bucks in the wild card round. Obviously, they kind of got blown out, but that's kind of to be expected. I mean, that Bucks team is really stacked. Uh, but with the pieces that they added around him, especially A.J. Brown's uh, trade with Devontae Smith, those two guys together, that's going to be a really strong wide receiver core. And you got a good defensive core. You got some new pass rushers. So this team's in perfect position to succeed and go deep in the playoffs. The problem will lie is if they get into the playoffs, but they end up playing a team like the Bucks. If that's the team that they get into the playoffs and have to deal with, that could be a little bit of a struggle. But I think if Jalen Hurts kind of plays the the type of ball that he was playing at the back part of the season. So I remember talking about the beginning of the season, how Jalen Hurts was just floating the football up there, trying to get some plays. He didn't look kind of comfortable out there. He just kind of looked like he was just kind of guessing a little bit. But now that he's more comfortable, he's been to the playoffs, he knows what to expect. I believe that this last kind of calling, uh, calling, or calling curtain or whatever, uh, this last opportunity for him is going to work out well. because Curtain believe, call. Curtain I think call. you were looking for curtain I, call. I, I went back and forth. Thanks. That's okay. It's okay. Uh, but yeah, I think, this, I think this would be the perfect opportunity for him. I think they added the correct pieces around him. I'm excited to see what the Eagles team look like. I'm also excited to see the uh, Philadelphia, um, you know, people of Philadelphia, the fans of Philadelphia teams, have an opportunity to be celebrating a team because their uh, baseball and basketball teams are not playing so well. But I believe the Eagles can be kind of redeem that. All right, uh, at that city. Okay, go Philly fans! Right, we yeah. love our Philly fans. Philly fans. Philly fans are, are known for many fun things. Uh, I remember one year, I think it was uh, in baseball, they were throwing batteries onto the field for the <laughs> Phillies. I don't remember. Anyway, okay, so let's uh, let's. 
talk one more thing uh, football-related. Are the Chargers at a Super Bowl or bust moment? I think they would have to be considered in that kind of conversation just because, I mean, now you got Cleo Mack, you got Calvin uh, Noy, uh, and you got Justin Herbert, and you got Eckler, and then you got um, Williams, and you got, ah, gosh, I'm blank on the other wide receiver. But you got a very stacked offense. You got a very stacked defense. And you got to just capitalize on the opportunities and everything that you've done. You've invested so much into very good players, and you have great players that are already on your roster. Uh, Justin Herbert, who's only a couple years in, already playing at a really high caliber. So I believe that this season they're going to be put up against the standard, especially if they start out really, really hot out of the gate, winning the first few games, three or four games. If they go on a tear, I believe that that's going to be put on them to win. And we've seen teams like the Rams where they had that expectation on them because they signed all those great players and ended up winning the Super Bowl and being the Bengals and uh, in a very close game. So I think that I think there is an expectation on them to definitely make it to the playoffs, 100% make it there. They can't get thrown out again. That was such a weird situation with them with the Raiders last season. But they have to get to the playoffs, uh, definitely. But I also think they're going to have to be all the way to the Super Bowl to make all these uh, kind of picks worth it. And I think that's going to be a lot eyes on a lot of people or through the eyes of a lot of people. But personally for me, I think even if they don't get to the Super Bowl, I don't think that personally, at least for me, I don't think that affects them going down the road. I think even if that, I think that actually might build them even better because then you go through adversity and you got almost all the way there. You get into the playoffs, which I think is a sure thing for them. But then getting all the way to the Super Bowl is a long road. And I think if they get thrown out, I think that's just going to help them out next season. But I believe in just the next couple of seasons, either this season or next season, they are definite Super Bowl contenders just because those are the type of players that they have on this roster. And those are the type of players that they invested in, those types of players out of the draft. I mean, they scored in with Justin Herbert as being one of the best players out of that draft. So ultimately, I think most people are going to say this year is the year to do it. But for me, I believe there's just a couple of years for them to do it. I think there's a little bit of a window. But it's just going to depend on kind of how everything works out for them. Uh, but ultimately, like I said, I think this team is just so talented and they can win in so many ways. Uh, they're going to have a stellar season. I believe they're going to blow the socks off a lot of teams and they're going to give a lot of AFC teams a lot of headaches and they're going to have to figure out how to stop them just because of how how good they are. And I think their defense has become even better this offseason with the different signs that they've had. So I'm excited to see exactly how they look and how they're going to work out. But ultimately, like I said, I think for most people, it's going to be Super Bowl bust. But if you're a fan, give it a couple years. This team will be stellar. All right. Uh, one more point on the uh, on the NBA before we cut out for the weekend. Um, should players be pulled from their team uh, from the game if their team is is up big? No, I don't think that players should be, you know, just pulled just because they're up big or down big. I think that ultimately what we've created in the in in sports in general is this atmosphere of almost a hierarchy. And I get that certain players uh, for certain teams mean more because they're being paid more. But every player, no matter what their their rank is in in that in that class of the, in that team, should have to play through the whole game because what we created is this situation where players are more concerned about you know maybe having an injury like Joel Embiid suffered than willing to play and finish the entire game with their team and take and have team pride. I think that's been lost over the last few decades. And that wasn't a thing a long time ago, but now in recent memory players and and just media personalities will get frustrated with coaches for not pulling players 
uh, if the game is kind of already out of hand. And personally, I just think it's one of those things that you get paid millions of dollars to play the game of basketball, football, MLB. I don't really care what it is. And you get put on a roster, and everyone calls these rosters family. And they're like, it's like a tight knit, like a, a tight knit uh, situation for these players. And then they, when a really good player, the player that they invest a lot of money in, if that team is losing or winning, they'll just pull them. I think that ends up being one of those situations where you can't really call call it the fact that you want to play with the, these guys and you want to give it your all and you want to do everything you can to help them win that even if you're winning, you just pull them. It doesn't make sense to me. And I think it's one of those things we need to revert back to the way it used to be, where even if you get injured, you're going to willing to take that chance. You're willing to play it out with your uh, brothers on the, on the foot, on the football field, on the basketball court, doesn't matter. And even if you get injured and even that, even if it adjusts the way things are for a certain series or outlook of a certain game or whatever the case may be, it's just what it's just the game of basketball is just the game. It's just there's a possibility on that on any play at any given time, but it should be the fact that anyone has that much, um, you know, faith in their in their teammates or wants to be on the on the on the field with their teammates so badly that they're willing to take that chance. So well, even with Joel Embiid's injury and where Doc Rivers could have taken him out, they were up big in the Raptors series, and yes, he got injured, but I think it was. It would think it was the injury is never positive. Like you don't want to see anyone get injured, but at the same time, I think it's a positive that shows players that just because something big is going to happen, like the playoffs or getting to the next round, you don't have to just sit down and kind of get out of the game. And we even saw that with the Ole Miss quarterback, um, uh, Matt Corral, where he said he'll play in the. It was the last game of the season, like the All Star Bowl or something like that. One of those with all the veteran players last year, or the senior bowl. He said he'll go play in it even if it means he's in. I think it was what the game was, but he'll play it even if he gets injured because he wants to be with his teammates and he wants to go to and just finish it out with them. He wants to finish strong. Um, and I think that's something that's been lost in our game and in, in, in culture in general. And I think that needs to be kind of just kind of thrust back into it because then and only then will load management not become a thing anymore where good players for basketball in particular are just sitting on the bench and they're not even playing because they're trying to be rested up for the playoffs. But that's not something that we should be kind of celebrating or saying that's fine or that's just a new normal. So I, and, and, and what I'm trying to say is I think, I think people need to look at it from the perspective. And I think this, and I don't know if it will change, but I hope it does because I think it's something that desperately needs to be changed for basketball and football to be better for the people that are watching it but also for the people that are playing it. And so I think finishing out basketball games and football games and not just waiting till the good stuff happens and being able to say, I finished the game and I got to the final and I helped us win, even though I was sitting on the bench before the playoffs even began. I didn't play the last few games. I think that just kind of builds teams stronger together. I think that stops this mentality of, I don't want to mentor the next player. I think that allows people to see that there's not just one person above everyone else and everyone gets an opportunity. And it's not just one player is better than else because he gets paid more. So I don't blame Doc Rivers for keeping Joel Embiid in that game. I think that was the right decision uh, in light of that. I don't know if that's why he was doing it, but just to like berate a coach over that is just, I, th- I think wrong. So and it, <laughs> short, uh, long story short, players should play no matter what the situation is and should be willing to give it all for their team because that is what you're paid for and that should be the new mindset all right there you go you heard it here first we'll see if that actually takes you don't think, I think it, it should <laughs> not it should you're absolutely right awesome listeners thank you for listening we appreciate you 
Uh, please uh, tune back in, get the latest episode on Monday. You can make sure that happens by subscribing to the podcast. Also encourage you to jump over to umyasports.com every chance you get. Share us with your friends and family. We would love that. It helps us greatly, and we appreciate you. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Have a great weekend. God bless. See you.